Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Functionally Autoimmune. I have a really fun guest on the show today that I know you're going to love. With me is Krista Bigler. She is award-winning dietitian, nutritionist, host of the Less Stress Life podcast, and author of The Eczema Relief Diet and Cookbook. Hi, Krista. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, Brandy. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And, you know, I always love having people on the guest who um, kind of nerd out about certain topics like I do. It's always really fun. So I'm really excited. But before we get into that, I wanted you to um, have a little chance to tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into nutrition and down the path that you've gone down. Well, I went to college for nutrition and did my internship, but probably the more interesting part is why I got into eczema, because I certainly, that wasn't my goal to get into eczema. (laughs) So I was one of those people who used to say, oh, this is genetic, which I know, I mean, that's not accurate, (laughs) but, but I, in the wintertime would get a little bit of dry, flaky skin in my eyebrows, on my hairline, et cetera. And then it would go away. I'd gone to a couple dermatologists. I'd gotten a couple of creams. I very minimally used them. And this is how we are. We, we, if it's not really affecting our life too much, or we think it's kind of normal for us, we just kind of keep cruising along until we know a little different or we know better. So fast forward, I am married. I have children. I'm taking them to swimming lessons. Remember I said that this usually gets worse in the winter for me. It was summertime. I'd, I'd gone five or six days to swimming lessons in a row, and I was in the pool every day. And all of a sudden, one morning, I woke up with a hor- horrendous rash all over my eye, my neck, my face. I don't really know, like leading right up to that, if it was looking a little ugly, but I just remember it exploded and it was pretty gnarly. Now, this was a little uh, atypical for me and obviously wasn't going to go unnoticed. It was a mess. Now, in retrospect, I was doing a lot of things. I had come from doing a bunch of contract work, kind of sort of foraying into private practice around that time. So I had stress. I had young children. I had all the things, right? There's always something that the straw that breaks the camel's back. I thought I was much healthier than I was. I was drinking kombucha by the gallon full, I swear. And it was totally contributing (laughs) to my underlying gut dysbiosis and fungal overgrowths. So it was a mess. And unfortunately, I was not able to find one provider that was able to help me very well. Eczema is just, there is, there is a need for more people who know what they're doing with skin issues. I think Um, that's my, that's my uh, view on things for sure. There's not a ton, a ton of people. I feel like I, I know a lot of them (laughs) um, and they're my (laughs) friends, but I looked for a lot of help and really didn't find it very easily. And so unfortunately I kind of had to just a muscle through it. I even, I had done in a, about the same time uh, as a, as a dietitian by trade, I had, I was doing food sensitivity testing and, and protocols with clients at that time. And it was really successful. But when I did my own, I mean, you just, again, in hindsight, you know, better, you do better because that's not, a, that's not like a starting point and an ending point that can be like your diet is foundational, but if you've got a huge gut mess, what happened to me was I restricted my intake. And then a couple of weeks later, I was eating a handful of pecans and my eye swelled up. I'd never had a problem like that before. So I'd actually created a lot more issues with food than I'd 
than I realized or I thought I had before. So really it took me a solid year of healing, I would say, before I kind of broke through that. It was not awesome. I had monthly self-care days. I was seeing a lot of different people and doing a lot of different things. And then ultimately I dug into the research and did some things. And it kind of, I would call it kind of the slow way around because, you know, you almost kiss some frogs before you find the prince, right? And so I'd gone to a famous gut health doctor and one of his things that he told me I could do was do nothing. I was like, all right, that's our last appointment together. And so, I mean, but I don't regret those things. It really sucked at the time, but I tried to find a little gratitude because I knew that eventually it would teach me a lot of perspective. It was hard to do in the moment. It was, it's hard to do. when people ask you like, what is on your face? What is on your neck? Uh, so, so it's kind of a bummer, but that's how eczema found me. And so now I think when you have like an intimate, I'm sure you feel this way a lot, but when you have an intimate knowledge with something because you've had it yourself, you have a lot of different empathy for it. And you just kind of understand how it's behaving a little bit differently, if that makes sense. So yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting because it sounds like you, um, a lot like me and so many others out there, you have kind of gone this long path to being healthy, which has kind of led you to help other people. And I think, you know, for you and I, that's something that is, we have in common because it's very much like I went through this like hell storm (laughs) to get, you know, where I am and I don't want you to have to go through it. And so that's kind of how we often end up with where we are, even though it's not really a part of our overall plan, you know, like you said, you weren't really looking to go out and help people with eczema, but it kind of landed in your lap as you went through this journey of like healing yourself and finding answers and, you know, to go to a specialist who is supposed to be there to help you and to tell you, oh, do nothing. Like that's, that's heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of rough. And what I didn't share was that I hated that experience. I mean, I found gratitude in it, but I wanted to put it under the rug and move on when it was over. Right. Cause it was, it was painful. And so I wasn't out there hanging my flag on working with eczema whatsoever. It was a bit accidental. Someone asked me to talk about the allergy, the difference between allergies and sensitivities and intolerances. And I did. And then a couple of people said, Hey, would you work with my child? Like, well, I suppose we could. And then we were very successful and the rest was really history. I still don't even hang my flag super high for eczema. I say I help overcome food sensitivities without major, major restriction, but the eczema people still find you. Right. So, and that's fine. That's fine. There's a lot to be said there. It doesn't usually coexist by itself. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm sure like your story, there's a lot of other pieces that kind of go together. And so figuring out what the priority is or the thing that needs support first is kind of the tricky part because when we're in this hellstorm, as you called, I think that's what you said, uh, (laughs) it's kind of like everything sucks. And so, and it feels like there's a lot of things you could do and that can feel overwhelming. So I think prioritizing can be really important in the try to reduce overwhelm. Yeah, I love that you mentioned uh, food sensitivity, food testing, and gut health, because there's so much around that uh, are those um, processes that I think are missed a lot of times for people. Like, they don't necessarily um, get that information of, like, you could be having food sensitivities, you could have gut dysbiosis. Like, these are things that could possibly be going on to help trigger these things. And a lot of times that's missed in conventional medicine. So it's really, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Are there any specific things that you typically look for with your clients or you tell people to really look for as far as food sensitivities and those types of things? Do you have kind of like a, um, a target that you're trying to kind of catch for them or how do you go about those things? 
Yeah. So food sensitivities are a broad topic and I feel very interested in talking, like trying to dispel better information from worse information. One way to look at this, first of all, is, is this an, is this a real problem? Is this something you would like to experiment with? Right. Or are you like desperate and you're going to go down this path and then there's no way, there's no exit strategy, which I see, unfortunately, sometimes, which is a problem. So for, if you're audience is mostly autoimmune, I would say that food becomes more of a problem once we hit that autoimmune umbrella. It is, it is a bigger part of the puzzle. For me, when I'm looking at what's going on with food, this is going to sound really simple, but it usually boils down to digestion adequacy. So it's unfortunate because you can't, you don't have x-ray vision, so you can't really see what's going on on the inside. It doesn't always look undigested on the outside, but what happens is we have gut imbalances and guess what? If you've had stress, which I've never seen onset of autoimmunity without stress, breaking the camel's back. Like I've just never really seen that. It's always a piece of it. My mom had a really horrendous autoimmune hellstorm in March (laughs) of 2020, kind of before really our landlocked States really even saw any COVID coming their way. And she, I don't know if you um, know anything about myasthenia gravis, but it can be very systemic or it can be ocular. She had very systemic. So she totally would have died in the waiting room if my, if my family did not have nurses in it and were not advocating for her. Um, But the point was, is like, there was such a lot of stress leading up to that, right? She had shingles. She had gone on a trip. She was with my most stressful family member (laughs) and her stressful (laughs) husband and all of those things. So I bring this up because it happens in so many forms and like, she really struggled to see it, but stress, what it does is it suppresses our stomach acid. It suppresses our digestive enzyme status. It suppresses our bile function. These are all the things that that are added to the, the pie of awesome digestion. These are all essential things for digesting, which allows you to absorb all those nutrients. And if you can absorb nutrients, then you don't have breakdown of different things, right? Um, because not having a good nutrient absorption can look like any condition or any fatigue or anything whatsoever. Yes. So backing up, um, you were asking, your main question was, gosh, how do I start with food stuff? I like to look at, is this a real food reaction or is it actually a digestion problem because mm-hmm. it can be either one and my end goal would be to improve what's going on in the gut and essentially the immune system which is mostly in the gut and mm-hmm. and massively affected by what's going on in the gut and in the brain the immune system is affected very very greatly by both of those things in addition to toxic burden etc so i look at those things and say if people are reacting to certain sets of foods, which often histamines are for sure, like almost always a, an issue with skin stuff. Like there's skin is just the way the body's getting rid of trash, right? Yeah. But what what is the reason that it needs to get rid of trash, right? So anyway, histamine, it can be a big one. There can be some other ones as well. I will look for different patterns of food. And if I'm hearing a histamine pattern or an oxalate pattern, I know it's a gut dysbiosis and liver issue, right? Yeah. Um, if people have more inflammatory water weight, like they're really um, having swings of five, 10 pounds over a few days, they might be a case where they would benefit from doing like an anti-inflammatory food sensitivity protocol. It just kind of depends on where where someone starts, right, Brandy? Because if they've never done anything, if they've never really gone whole food or anything like that, that's always a beautiful foundational piece that can be so transformative for so many people on autoimmune, of course, right? Um, But if they've already done that and they've already restricted a lot, I'm going to look at different avenues for sure. I'm not going to encourage more restriction at that site, right? If they've already been restrictive and we have digestion issues, what we've created then is a lot of nutrition 
nutrient deficiencies, which is going to lead to downstream effects on your liver not being able to do its job because it's an incredible factory that requires a lot of nutrients. Your adrenals can't do their job. Your thyroid can't do its job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So it kind of depends on where someone starts. So I think that was the short version of the answer. It depends mm-hmm. on where someone starts. If they haven't done any whole food things, I would start there first, right? And see yeah. and, and go about it with curious optimism and say, hey, I could feel a lot better when I do this because what's going to happen when you go to whole foods, of course, is going to be possibly easier to digest because some of those substances can be kind of difficult. There's, there's certain things that are a little bit more difficult to digest and it's going to immediately bring back toxic burden or or take it back a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if they haven't done anything, that's where, that's a great place to start. But if they've already done a lot of things, which is kind of the people I see, right, then I might be, I'm usually going to be looking at filling in a lot of gaps down the line, right. That have been accidentally caused because we haven't really addressed the root causes, which include what's going on in the gut, what's going on in the immune system, what's going on with the liver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that it was a, it was a short, that was a long and a short answer. (laughs) No, I love it. I think it's great. And I want to touch on, on stress a little bit too, because you mentioned how, you know, and and it is true that a lot of times when people have reached the autoimmune stage, it's usually we can pinpoint it back to some type of stressful event that happened or chronic stress, or there's always stress playing part of it. Um, what I find with a lot of the clients that I talk to, and I'm wondering if you see this too, is um, when we bring up stress and we talk about, you know, managing your stress and how that can affect your health, that tends to be a very stressful topic. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah, because it's like, how do you, we live in such a stressful environment. We live in very busy lives. Like that's just the way this society is these days. And so a lot of times the feedback I get is, well, I can't not be stressed. Like this is my life. I'm always stressed. Oh, um, so how do you kind of, how do you kind of handle that? Cause I know you have your great podcast too, the less stress yeah. um, life. And so how do you kind of manage that? How do you work or talk people through like the stress of life? I could, first of all, this is such an important conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember feeling so terrible one time trying to share with a client the exact physiological reaction she was seeing, this tension headache and this cramps in her neck and her legs twitching, all these things. I was like, these are literally all signs of mineral deficiencies caused by stress this week. And then we add minerals and nutrients back and, and this doesn't happen. So, but that, but talking to her about that caused more stress, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the hardest thing in the world. So I kind of break it into um, what, I I stop and I talk about what we can do to try to patch the hole in the roof. Wait, yeah, patch the hole in the roof. That would be like filling in the nutrient gaps that are caused Mm -hmm. by stress. So I I take a physiological approach, right? A nutritional approach. Like here's the downstream effects of what's happening. We've got to start filling that in, but you've got to like turn off the rain or like stop the rain a little bit. Right. So how do we do that? we really have to get honest and curious with ourselves. First of all, if we say we can't change anything that we will not change anything, yeah. that's for sure. I had, and sometimes we all need a wake up call. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, I had that wake up call about a year ago. I actually didn't think I had a lot of stress brandy. Mm-hmm. I, or I thought I was like, Oh, I'm fine. Or I felt maybe even hypocritical. What I will say is like, this is a journey, not a destination. It's not like you're mm-hmm. just going to arrive and be less stressed. you're going to be a little bit better every year. So last year, the year before I had a bit of a wake up call, I did my mineral test. And what I found there was my minerals were totally tanked, which is only going to happen if you've 
been running high cortisol because cortisol is going to dump potassium. And Mm -hmm. I was also using a lot of aldosterone, which is controlling my blood pressure. I didn't have blood pressure problems, but that's how our body naturally manages that. So we don't have high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I was dumping a lot of sodium. So it was depleted in those. So my adrenals didn't have the bare bones minerals. And by the way, those ingredients are also really important for making stomach acid. So guess what? I had really, really subtle gut relapse stuff going on. I was like, I know that this is a gut relapsy symptom and I know what to do to course correct it, but why does it keep happening? Right. Mm -hmm. It was really from the stress. You know what ended up being my stressor? It was, it's going to be funny because you're hearing me talk. It was talking (laughs) really fast. It was really fast talking, going from appointment to appointment to appointment and kind Mm -hmm. of being in a rush looking at my day's calendar and thinking I can do this. I can see 10 people. I can, I can be fine, but also it like weighing a lot on me. Right. Cause yeah. I want really high. I'm like a high achiever. Right. So my normal was a stressor that fast talking brought a sense of like urgency, hurriedness. It was very manufactured and it was very false. Mm-hmm. I hope that this is helpful for someone listening yeah. right? because it didn't look just like every other stressor necessarily. Right. Right. But it could be like driving in really heavy traffic and and that being Mm -hmm. kind of stressful. I had to really back up and say, Oh, I need to make some changes here. Like something's not working. And so for, for more than the last year, I've been curiously exploring different things because I too want to share with my clients the fastest thing that can help them. But it's going to take a lot of self-exploration and awareness. One of my favorite exercises, Brandy, for starting to bring awareness to this area is to make, to take out a piece of paper and to draw a line down the minute, down the middle. Mm-hmm. And on one side, write down like what's really draining my energy right now. And like, what's taking up rent-free space? What are my energy vampires? Like, what am I dreading doing yeah. my day to day? And on the other side, what's my zone of genius? What brings me a lot of joy, et cetera. And writing that out, it's almost like when you talk to someone about something bothering you and as you speak about it, it corrects itself, right? It's like, oh, I I realized the answer while I was talking about it. Writing this down and getting this out of our hamster brain is really helpful because then we can see it. And sometimes we look at that dread list and we're like, oh, what if I just didn't need to do everything on my dread list? (laughs) What if I just didn't have to? I know that I'm a parent of many children, right? I need to put them to bed. This is a stressful time. Like I need to cook dinner, all those things, right? Yeah. I know that those are stressful things, but what if there were stressors I could either remove, Mm -hmm. change how I felt about them, change something? Yeah. And until I put that on paper, I can't really see it. This is my favorite exercise to do with some frequency. Anytime I'm starting to feel a little crispy, I'm like, yeah. wait, I need to step back and get outside of the bottle. I'm, I'm running inside the bottle. Like I can't see the <laughs> label on the outside. So yeah. I need to back up and kind of look at what I've got in front of me. So Brandy, it took me a year to really make changes. I, I started working with a mindset coach at that time and she helped me work through some limiting beliefs around like things I could do that I didn't yeah. think I could do. Cause that's what our brain does. It, right. right. It's <laughs> the safest thing. It's our prim. So our brain has 50 to 80,000 thoughts a day and our amygdala, our limbic brain is often running the show. It's thinking about like 95% of it. And the other 5%, which is our parents, that's our childlike brain. It's always like, keep me safe, keep me safe. And our parent brain, the prefrontal cortex, that's only about 5%, right? So if you have 50,000 thoughts, it's only 2,500 thoughts going to logic. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's very it's very challenging sometimes for us to logic our way out of things when we're in this like really heated stress thing, right? So yeah. we have to stop, take ourselves out of it. 
I do think that sometimes when like you're just out of control, it can be so nice to dis- accidentally disappear into a place with no phone service for a few days because yeah. that is just long enough where you can be disconnected where you're like, oh, my neural pathways are starting to reset to where I'm not constantly checking my phone because I can't even get anything right back yeah. from it. Um, I know that sounds like a luxury and it can be. And sometimes I've ended up on these camping trips with my husband. I didn't know I wasn't going to have phone service. And I'm like, oh. That was lovely. And yeah. Like, are you alive? You usually respond right away. Right. <laughs> um, and I know like where you live, that's probably a common thing as well. But sometimes we have to like do a stark interruption of where we yeah. are. Sometimes we need, really need a come to Jesus moment. For me, yeah. I come to Jesus was seeing how depleted my minerals were, even though I thought I was doing fine. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm actually not doing fine. What's really, what's really pressing my cortisol up? So for me, when people ask me like, well, what do I do for my stress? It's not like a 10 step night routine or a morning routine. Yes, I do things because I understand how they improve things. Yeah. But when we add and add and add, sometimes it's like, what do I really need to remove and remove and remove? Right. And so for me, it's really paying attention to how's my heart rate? How fast is that moving? How, like, what are these things that used to go unnoticed or I thought they were fine or normal? And how can I look at those and change them? And I think that that, I hope that someone finds that really valuable because it's kind of like between, it was kind of like between the lines for me, right? It was kind of a gray area but it was very transformational. So I'm happy to report I redid my mineral analysis, which sometimes people redo this kind of stuff. Like, and again, tests are not perfect. This yeah. was just a, a come to Jesus thing for me. Um, I waited a, a, over a year to redo the test. Some people do them really quickly. Uh, my friend, she was sharing, she was so mad at herself. She'd done one and then she'd had some things go on and she had a miscarriage and something else. And she's like, Oh, I'll just do another one. She was so angry because it was worse right? (laughs) I've been doing all these things. I've I've been supporting it, but really like the overarching umbrella of the stressors had, had really struck, had been, had not been good. So she had to make some, some more significant changes. And so, you know, that can be the advice. Like you don't really need to retest so often (laughs) when things haven't really changed. I waited a solid year to see all those numbers come up dramatically, but I had done some dramatic changes to the point where my colleagues would say, Oh, I see a difference in you. You are, you are different this year than you were last year. So, uh, in some ways it's like, well, that's embarrassing, but also awesome. So my undertone here is that it's a journey, not a destination. And you can only learn and know better and do better. Right. Like we don't always have everything figured out. We're still trying to figure things out. And if we stay open and curious, I think the main thing is to stay open and curious because if we put a wall up a wall and we're like, I can't do anything about this, or I don't see how I can do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I understand it would make it pretty hard. Right. If you can't see things about it. So from a more tactical standpoint, as a clinician helping clients, I do a lot of talk about neuroplasticity, which is simple, but not easy for people to do because it's like stopping, slowing down, writing, journaling, et cetera, those things. Yeah. There are programs that do a lot of neuroplasticity stuff, but I'm always searching for some device, like what would work for people, what would land with them? Cause everyone kind of resonates with slightly different things. So it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a journey for me. I've done, I've sampled a lot of different breath work practices as well. And I think that that's a pretty big one. And that's what I'm going to kind of keep heading down that path for sure, because it's something that does a lot. It activates the parasympathetic yeah. nervous system side. It regenerates ATP, which helps produce energy and, and helps stimulate lymph flow. So there's just, I always like a dress with pockets, something that can, you do one thing and it does multiple things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love all of that advice. And 
those exercises are really great. Writing down um, all of those things, I think that's such a great practice to really kind of visualize what you're doing in a day. Um, because a lot of times we just kind of compartmentalize things and we're like, this is my work day and this is my home day and this is my this day. And so we kind of put it all in a little box and we don't really see how much is actually happening it within that 24 hour period. So writing that down is such great advice. I love that. And I'm such a huge fan of uh, breath work, you know, as someone who has spent over 10 years as a respiratory therapist, breathing and lungs are, are a passion for me. Um, so yeah, breath work is so, so powerful, especially when we're talking about stress relief. So I, I love all of that advice and it definitely can be something that seems difficult, but, you know, as you said, as long as you kind of stay open to it and willing to notice and pay attention, there's lots that you can do for it. So that's really amazing advice. I love that. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's awesome. Uh before we run out of time, I want to make sure that I give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you, how they can reach you, um, you know, websites, all of those kinds of things. Sure. So since you're listening to Brandy's podcast, my favorite place to help is on my podcast, which is called The Less Stressed Life, which that was an accidental term I used for a synonym for inflammation because once upon a time when I started that podcast in 2017 I was talking about inflammation and the only people that showed up to listen were the ones that knew what that was nothing has changed but that was my more uh layman friendly term and it's been a really interesting umbrella so it's probably a happy accident so it's yeah. called the less stress life for that reason you can find me over at kristabigler.com or lessstresslife.com it'll all take you to the same place um and I've got some I've got a quiz about eczema if you have some questions I know we didn't get like create we could have we could have done 10 episodes on eczema and had all different content <laughs> to be perfectly honest, like very much so. Cause there's, I feel like there's a lot to talk about here. So I have a, a separate website called eczema nutritionist. It's got a quiz on there about how to prioritize. What is the thing to start with first is that you got liver or stress. Um, and so it'll kind of help you direct. And that's how I kind of streamline and, and prioritize with clients is like, this needs to be supported first. So I hope someone who's listening to this can find that helpful as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'll share all those links in the show notes as well. So people can find those and easily click to them. Um, so if you didn't write that down fast enough, don't worry, it'll be in the show notes, you can find it and click it there. But you know, Krista, thank you so much for what you're doing for all the work you're doing out there, uh, for the podcast that you're putting out to help people um, deal with a lot of these different things. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks, everyone for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, with 75 absorbable vitamins and minerals in just one scoop per day. I've increased my energy, immune function, and so much more. AG is a non-negotiable part of my daily routine. For your own risk-free AG, plus 20% off, and free vitamin D3 K2 supplement, go to www.athleticgreens.com backslash functionally autoimmune, or look in the notes of this podcast and you can find the link there. Trust me, you want to add athletic greens to your day. It makes such a huge difference.